Missouri Senator Josh Hawley made me laugh this week when he uh, put, put forward the Hawley introduces the Pelosi Act banning lawmakers from trading stocks. The acronym stands for the Preventing Elected Leaders from Owning Securities and Investments Act. Pretty clever. I think I could be even more clever. I hereby call on Congress to introduce and pass the following laws. I have a version of the Pelosi Act as well. Mine is the Preventing Elderly Losers and Their Obviously Senile Inabilities Act. Or the Biden Act, the Banning of Incompetent Democrats with Erectile Non-Function Act. The Schiff Act, mm-hmm. the Sacking of Corrupt Hacks in a Furious Faction Act. Or the Kamala Act, the Kooky and Marginally Articulate Leaders Assistance Act. She really needs that one. We also, of course, have the Nadler Act for Jerry Nadler, the necessary addition of denim load-bearing enforcement resources. And you know, you know why that exists, because he wears his, his jeans up to his nipples. So uh, that's just, you know, specific for him. The Jean-Pierre Act, or the G's, even a newt with Parkinson's, is equipped for reading remarks every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and finally, the Swalwell Act, very important one. I want to get this done for sure. The securing wayward asses, loosing wind, while being extorted by lovely ladies act. So thank you for Josh Hawley kicking off the fun trend with your Pelosi Act and allowing me to brainstorm some legislation of my own. And I hope the beautiful people out there watching have some acts of your own to contribute to this mess. So jump, uh, just kind of dump them in the comments below and let's get this country back on track. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Use the promo code Stu. Save 10 bucks if you're watching on YouTube. Like this video right now while you're dropping the com- comments below with your crazy ideas for new bills. Uh, you can hit the bell for notifications as well. Subscribe to the channel. We really do appreciate it. Lauren Chen makes her triumphant return to the program with a big announcement. Joe Biden attempts to pass the blame on his horrible economy. But we start by doing DeSantis derangement syndrome. Yes, we're there. Whenever the new Republican comes along, they're always worse than the old Republican. And now Ron DeSantis is even worse than Donald Trump. He's even worse. He'd be even more damaging if he were to happen to win the primary and become president. He'd be even more evil, double evil, triple evil. Who knows how many times more he would be evil than anyone you've ever seen before. That's what happens every time there's a new Uh, Republican that comes along. And DeSantis, obviously, pretty popular, doing pretty well in the early polls when it comes to not only the presidency, but also the primary to get there. So every time anything happens in the state of Florida, we get the ultimate freak out reaction. There's been a couple of these lately. One county inside of Florida is having what Every media source seems to be describing as a book burning issue. Let me give you an example of this. This is, uh, of course, CNN and Don Lemon. What are we doing here? I mean, this, I feel like we're going back. I feel like I'm watching a bad version of like Pleasantville where you're I, I don't get what's happening. It feels like the 1950s all over again with like book banning. This is this yeah. is cancel culture from people who are, I guess they just want our kids to be ignorant and to control the teachers. It is, uh, this is outrageous. Oh my gosh, he nailed it. That's exactly what I want, is kids to be ignorant. That was our t- totally our goal. How do they know that? 
Did we ever say, I don't remember saying that on the air. How did he know that my entire goal was to make kids ignorant? Ah. Gosh, these guys are just too smart over there at CNN. Uh, the Guardian uh, writes it up this way. Florida teachers forced to remove or cover up books to avoid felony charges. Now, this kind of seems to all come from a liberal Twitter thread, which is the I mean, legitimately, I mean this sincerely, is the source of about 80 percent of the news that you see. Some liberal has a Twitter thread that they misread or misconstrue some some new law. They tweet a thread. It gets, you know, 100,000 retweets and then it's on your TV and it becomes the news. That is, I mean, legitimately, these these journalists are on Twitter all the time. They're obsessed with it, despite how much they say they don't like Elon Musk. And this is where they get their news. This is how your narratives are forwarded. This is how the news that's delivered to you is made. This is the sausage in its raw form. And let me give you this one. This is from Judd Legume. Is that a is that a word for a bean? I don't know. I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce his name, but I'm going to keep it because I like saying legume. So Judd Legume says Florida teachers are being told to remove all books from their classroom libraries or face felony prosecution in all capital letters, which makes it super duper serious. The new policy is based on the premise that teachers are using books to groom students or indoctrinate them with leftist ideologies. Let's go through some of the claims being made here. And remember, no one cares if this happens in Arizona. No one cares if this happens in West Virginia. They care because it's Florida. And we will show you that and show you some of the other attacks against Ron DeSantis as we go. The new policy is in Manatee County, which is likely to be duplicated across Florida, was issued in response to HB 1467, which was signed into law by DeSantis last March. That law established that teachers could not be trusted to select books appropriate for their students. And who could be trusted? Probably some oil company executive, right? Who's going to be trusted to get the books into the library? It's not teachers, so we know it's bad. It's probably gun companies. I don't know. Maybe it's pork rind manufacturers, something like that. They're going to try to get their evil right-wing books into these libraries. And he's about to tell you who's really in charge here. Ready for the big right-wing figure who has to look at these books and approve them? Instead, all books in libraries or used in classroom instruction must be selected by a media specialist. What is that? In parentheses, a.k.a. a librarian. This means, this is the real scare sentence here. This means that classroom libraries that are curated by teachers, not librarians, are now illegal. (laughs) So are we... Are we vilifying librarians now? Why are li- why are librarians the bad ones? I feel like if anything, a librarian's going to have a more uh, a, a looser view on what which which books should be in a library because they've been thinking about literature as their main focus their entire lives. Probably they, the librarians are the bad one. I I don't I don't even understand. Going on from Judd Lagoon. He says, as a result, one manatee teacher reported being forced to take Sneezy the Snowman and Dragon's Love Tacos off the shelves pending review. Others, teachers, fearing criminal liability, are telling students not to bring in unvetted books from home. Well, first of all, I mean, look, 
most books are going to be completely fine that kids bring in. You probably don't want unvetted books coming in all the time with no restrictions on them. But again, they wouldn't be put into the library. Like uh, kids would bring in books in their book bag. So it have really nothing to do with this at all. And this is another main tactic that the left uses all the time when describing this. The same thing that happens with the abortion laws that get passed. They, they highlight examples of people, usually liberals themselves, who say they fear prosecution under this law, so they've done X, Y, and Z. When you look at the law, you realize there's no chance they would be prosecuted for this. It's, at the very best reading, uh, an example of one of these uh, people on the left being too scared of something they don't understand. Like, if I were to say, like, look, I, uh, I'm worried about um, this law, so I, I pulled all the books and I burned them in the furnace because I was, I was worried I'd be prosecuted. Well, uh, I might, that might be true. I may have done that. But I would be an idiot for doing it. The same thing has happened with abortion laws where people are like, well, look, I, I, some doctors are saying they will not um, work on ectopic pregnancies now because they're worried about being prosecuted. Well, the law specifically says that that wouldn't be part of it. So they may be afraid of this. If they are, they're idiots because the law doesn't say that. But secondarily, more likely is this is someone who wants to make a big deal about this, wants to give a Judd Legume a brand new example uh, and try to fire up the base by saying they feel thwarted by this. Someone on the left playing into the left's narrative. It's not exactly a stretch here. Uh, librarians in Manatee County, Judge Legume continues, uh, are now expected to review thousands of books in classroom libraries to ensure compliance with the new law. Any mistake could result in criminal charges. Manatee has 64 public schools and 3,000 teachers, many of whom maintain classroom libraries. Well, first of all, I mean... Is it really that crazy to make sure the books in schools are actually appropriate for the kids who might be reading them? Is that really a crazy request? Of course, the claim being made here is not true. We'll get into that here in just a second. Uh, goes on, Judd Legume tweets, uh, the librarian's review of classroom books must also be consistent with complex training, which is heavily influenced by right-wing groups like Moms for Liberty and approved by the Florida Department of Education just last week. I bring this tweet up just to give praise and thank you to Moms for Liberty, a great organization doing great work in Florida. Thank you so much for making sure that, I don't know, appropriate material is in the classroom for children. Uh, Judd Legume continues, the training instructs librarians to err on the side of caution. What a terrible principle that is. As popular information reported earlier this month, Manatee County schools have already removed several books from libraries because they contain LGBTQ, I will continue, QIA2+, didn't include any of those groups for some reason, obviously a hate monger, uh, because they include LGBTQIA2+, uh, characters or themes. Um, now, it's fascinating because, look, there are certainly books that contain those themes that should not be in, in classrooms, especially for young children. There shouldn't be any sexual content for kindergartners. That's just not something that should be. And by the way, it is illegal in Florida. Uh, but the the overall implication is like, OK, uh, there's a book about dragons that's not on the approved list. And if it shows up in the library, the, the teacher is going to get arrested. This is not what this says at all. Of course. Right. Of course. This is not what the actual law says. That would be insane. And of course, is not the law at all. This is just a bunch of lies. Uh, A.G. Hamilton on Twitter called this out, said this thread has almost 20,000 likes. 
and it's completely bogus. Judd Legume is either dishonest or has terrible reading comprehension. It's quite possible that both are accurate descriptions. I would assume that they are. Now, let me give you something. This is something Judd Legume tweeted himself. This is the new statutory HB 1467. And he underlines three things in this long text. He says, classroom libraries commits a felony of the third degree, and we are seeking volunteers to assist with vetting and compiling the website list. That's what he underlines. But I want to keep that text up there for a minute because I want to look at that first underline in particular. Um, it says, all material in school and classroom libraries are, are included, uh, are, or included on a reading list must be, number one, free of pornography. I mean... Is there a real argument that pornography should be in our kids' libraries? And of course, that's what this law is actually about. Explicit sexual material. As A.G. Hamilton points out, the requirement to vet books for inappropriate material is a separate law from the felony punishment for distributing porn on school property. The felony is for the latter. No teacher can be charged with a felony for having books unless their books are full of porn. (laughs) How is this a world we live in? How is this real? The first law, HB 1467, requires that classroom libraries do not contain pornography and that materials be appropriate for the grade level. The felony he's referring to isn't for keeping books in the classroom, but knowingly, knowingly distributing porn to children. This is the problem. All of these laws get turned into the don't say gay law and and characterized by people like Judd Legume so that people are terrified of them. When in reality, most of the time, they're really boring. They don't do much of anything that would be controversial. They're things that are basic, things that are obvious to every parent on earth. You don't put Porn in a, in a schoolroom. This should be obvious to everyone. Now, CNN has decided to go down another route as well. There's another thing you know about don't say gay. You know about this rule here where you can't have books in schools or whatever. You'll get carted off to Sing Sing. And then you also have the new, and we're branding this here on the program today. Everyone's saying it. It's don't say black. The new don't say black bill. Here's CNN talking about it. CRT now this what is what's going on here um well already I'm seeing some activists call this don't say black like the the idea that he's going to like the don't say uh, gay bill that you can somehow draw lines in the classroom and I think that's one of the most important things that he said the idea that it's on our side our standards our side of the line what is that line who's going to draw it and if Ron DeSantis runs for president does he plan on drawing those lines nationwide I would hope not, because that's not how our government operates at all. We don't have federal standards for that. It's localized. And here's the thing. I don't really like government schools. I don't really like public schools. In my view, we shouldn't have them at all. In fact, my kids, they don't exist at all to my kids because they're in private school. In fact, I think we should have private schools all over the place. I love the movement that's going on with school choice around this country. And I think that should be much more of the model. Another one passed, I think, in Utah today. Good But if you do want public schools, if you do want government schools like the left does, what is going to happen when you try to figure out what is taught in those schools? 
the government is going to decide it. If it's a government school, the government is going to decide what is taught. And when someone on the evil right gets elected, they're going to tell you things to be in those schools or not in those schools, and you're not going to like them all the time. If you don't like that, maybe you should be fighting as well for parents to be able to choose the schools they send their kids to. I agree with that. Now, Ron DeSantis, this is a bill, by the way, the Don't Say Black bill, is about this whole pushback against this one particular program about African-American studies. In fact, really one specific part of this, we should, I mean, we could do a whole monologue just on this one thing, but let me give you Ron DeSantis himself highlighting exactly what some of the problems were with this particular curriculum. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. Mm-hmm. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. When you try to use black history to shoehorn in queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. Isn't that obvious to everyone? And you might say, well, he's a politician. He's going to run for president probably. Of course he's trying to come out and give this nice, easy, sanitized version of this. This is something that quite clearly violates the Stop Woke Act, which is something that DeSantis pushed through. And you might say, well, that's DeSantis' law. It's obviously bad. He doesn't want, uh, he doesn't want African-American history uh, taught. Now, this is idiotic for a million different reasons, but I thought we'd go, by, go back and look at what material is actually prevented in the Stop Woke Act. What's in there? What, what, what are you not allowed to put in classrooms and a curriculum? Ready for it? Here we go. We're going to go through all of it. Number one, you cannot have material that teaches these. Number one, members of one race, color, sex, or national origin are morally superior to members of another race, color, sex, or national origin. So in other words, you can't say white people are morally superior to black people. Next up, an individual, by virtue of his race, color, sex, or national origin, is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. So you can't say white people in general, just because of the color of their skin, are inherently oppressive, or that black people, because of the color of their skin, are inherently oppressed. Seems pretty basic. An individual's moral character or status as either privileged or oppressed is necessarily determined by his or her race, color, sex, or national origin. Sort of restating the same thing. No, you're not going to say, you're not going to generalize about somebody's skin color and say and assign characteristics to it. That used to be the definition of racism. He's saying he can't do that. Number four, members of one race, color, sex, or national origin cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race, color, sex, or national origin. Number five, an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin bears responsibility for or should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment because of actions committed in the past by other members of the same race, color, sex, or national origin. So you can't teach people that because, let's say, China... Uh, is responsible for the the outbreak of COVID-19 because of their lack of uh, maintaining it and informing the public. You can't say that 
you know, Bob over there, who's a Chinese student, is also responsible. You also can't say uh, Bill over there, who's white, is responsible for slavery because hundreds of years ago, their great, 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 great grandparents had slaves or maybe not even not. Number six, an individual by virtue of, uh, of his race, color or sex or national origin should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment to achieve diversity, equity or inclusion. So you can't treat white kids poorly because uh, uh, because uh, of another child of a minority race is in the same room. You can't say you can't take it out on the white kids. Sim- similarly, you can't take it out on the Asian kids because they got better test grades than everybody. Number seven, an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin bears personal responsibility for and must feel guilt, anguish, or other forms of psychological distress because of actions in which the individual played no part committed in the past by other members of the same race, color, sex, or national origin. You shouldn't torture little Timmy, who's six years old, because slavery existed a couple hundred years ago. Does this seem crazy? Last one. Such virtues as merit, excellence, hard work, fairness, neutrality, objectivity, and racial colorblindness, you can't teach that they are racist or sexist or were created by members of a particular race, color, sex, or national origin to oppress members of another race, color, sex, or national origin. This one's the most bizarre one of them all. The other side is arguing that we should say that white people came up with the idea of fairness and hard work and excellence. And you can't say that it's good to have those qualities because white people came up with them. What are you talking about? None of this makes any sense. And it all comes back to the same theme. We are now at the point, just like we were with Donald Trump at one point, just like we were with Elon Musk at one point. Anything that comes up that has any relation to Ron DeSantis will be treated as if it is the apocalypse. It's good for Ron DeSantis because he's going to be the center of every single conversation. But it's bad for our brain cells. We've all become dumber because of this particular nonsense. We should reject it and move on with our lives. So are you tired of, I don't know, your personal data online being at risk? I know there's a big hack of one of these um, companies that protects your passwords. And the people who are subscribing to the service are freaking out. They're like, wait a minute, they hacked our password service? It's nuts. Not to mention, you know, big tech companies are taking your data all the time. They're selling it all the time. You don't want that to go on. If you don't want anyone else knowing where you've been, who you've met, what you're thinking, StartMail is the perfect solution for protecting your privacy and giving you peace of mind. StartMail's secure email service keeps your inbox safe from unwanted spying eyes and protects you from spam. Every message can be encrypted or password protected. And when you delete an email, guess what? It's actually deleted. It's gone forever. That's good. You get unlimited disposable email aliases to keep up with your real, uh, keep your real identity sort of hidden online, which is something that you need to do with these big tech companies looking over your shoulder. With just a few clicks, you can easily switch from your existing email provider and start taking advantage of StartMail's enhanced privacy protection. Right up now, if you sign up, you get 50% on your, off your first um, uh, subscription. Uh, that's a great deal, and it's never been a better time to go to startmail.com slash stew. Join the thousands of people who have chosen Startmail for their email security needs. It's Startmail. Start with a T, S-T-A-R-T, 
M-A-I-L.com slash stew. Startmail.com slash stew. Get 50% off now at startmail.com slash stew. I'm happy to welcome back my fellow Blaze TV host, Lauren Chen, back to the program. Lauren, how's it going? How's it going? It's going good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that Dallas is as, clo- as cold as Nashville. I was hoping, like, uh, I thought I would get a little reprieve from yeah. the admittedly less than severe uh, in terms of, like, weather compared to Canada. But still, mm-hmm. it is chilly. Yeah, because last time I spoke to you, you were still living in Canada. Yeah, it feels good to be out of there, especially with everything <laughs> that's happened over the past two years. Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, it's, it's a real drain, you know. Went back the summer visit family. Happy to see him, but just it uh, really makes you appreciate the freedoms that we have in America. Yeah, you know, it feels like because we talked to um, uh, a, a woman this morning on the radio show, who I think it was her sister, who was in this video that kind of went viral in this hospital where she wound up she was not wearing a mask. She was assaulted and, and, and died in this hospital. Yes, really terrible story. And it made me think that like Canada, who. I don't know. I've always seen as as somewhat of a, a you know, a, a little different, but like somewhat parallel in mm-hmm. understanding of the world. Like you know, what underst- you know, at some level, was a, a country that prized freedoms and had a Western view of, of of freedom. And I feel like the last couple of years that has changed, and there's an acceleration to crazy town in Canada that I, I didn't really see coming. Yeah, for a while now, Canada has kind of departed from the U.S. culturally, uh, especially politically, and more embraced uh, almost the Australian, uh, U.K., essentially Commonwealth view of big government being good. We have the socialized medicine, mm-hmm. uh, just more regulations in general. And so I think it, it was probably predictable that when COVID happened, they would use this as an excuse for more government intervention, more government intervention. Because if you look at the the countries that had the biggest reactions to COVID and enacted the most human rights violations, if you ask me, it's it's a very, very clear distinction between countries that were just more generally freedom-oriented, like the United States, specific states as well, like Texas, like Tennessee, like Florida, uh, versus places where it's like, okay, we, we're already taxing you. We're already regulating you mm. to with an inch of your life, like Australia, like the UK and, you know, Canada, as well as places like California and New York. So it's been sad to see. I think it's something that was building up under the surface for a while. But, you know, after in Canada, they essentially barred the unvaxxed from going to uh, restaurants, movie theaters when they told people they couldn't gather. That is when I knew like, okay, wow, this is this is serious stuff. And I just I, I can't do it anymore. I can't live somewhere where, you know, my government actively hates me. And so do a lot of my neighbors. How hard was that of a decision to come to? I mean, you know, like, I love my country. Like, I, 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 I don't love everything about it. There's times <laughs> I want to leave certain parts of it. But, like, that's a tough decision for somebody to come to. It is. I mean, personally, I have, I, I didn't grow up in Canada. I was born there, but I mostly grew up in Asia. I went to, you know, American college. So I was, from from the get-go, pretty, like, okay, husband, like, <laughs> let's, let's get out of here. Right. I think it was really him that had to be persuaded, and I think a, a, a huge moment for him was, like, you know, where it's it's not even a choice that we have to make at this point. They're pushing us out is when uh, I had my 20-week uh, sonogram or ultrasound, which is a, a pretty big deal. You know, um, you know, for some couples, it's when you find out the gender. We already knew, but you, you see a lot of your baby that uh, you hadn't seen 
for before. Um, my husband was at the hospital barred from coming in with me because he mm. was not vaccinated. And I think that was a big a big point for both of us where you're like, okay, wow, this is really happening. Jeez, that's amazing. Cause I, part, I think the easy way for you know Americans to look at Canada and sort of summarize, I think it makes us comfortable is to say, ah, Trudeau's just nuts, mm-hmm. right? But like then you see other similar countries, New Zealand, Australia, they went through the same period and were as bad or worse yes. than Canada. It really seems like this particular event, the COVID last couple of years, brought out the absolute worst in governments. No, you're, you're so right. And I would love to say, oh, it's just Trudeau. But don't forget, we, each province has its own premier or the equivalent of a governor, right? So in mm-hmm. Quebec, Legault, he was just as crazy. Uh, you know, Ford mm-hmm. and Ontario, all of these different governor equivalents, these premiers were going just as ham. So it's unfortunately not as simple as, oh, it's just Trudeau. And not only that, but Canada also had an election throughout the height of COVID and he was reelected. So, it's, you know, there there was definitely, a, you could almost see it as a referendum as uh, as to how Canada was handling things so far. And unfortunately, the plurality plurality of Canadians were like, yes, this suits me just fine. Let's more of it, please. And uh, now, you know, I'm seeing polls coming out of Canadian news. Uh, I still follow pretty closely. Uh, they're starting to float at the idea, should mask mandates come back? And, uh, you know, it's it's not like a mask mandate uh, here. You know, I, I, I was in in places like, like Dallas and Nashville where there was like a, quote, mask mandate, no one was wearing actually masks, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mask mandate in name only, no. Yeah. But when you tell a Canadian that there's a mandate, they're going to do it, and yeah. you will have other Canadians enforcing it. So it's a very just different approach to government authority up there. Yeah, because they, there, there wasn't that. I mean, we did see it with the truckers, right? There right. were a- episodes where they really pushed back. And, and, and then look what they did in response yeah. to that. Shut yeah. down bank accounts. Yeah, they shut down bank accounts, and there wasn't outrage from the people generally. No. They, they kind of said, okay, well, they shouldn't be doing those things. The government's telling them not to. Exactly. It's that, I mean, look, it is a foreign country, but it is very foreign, I think, to the American uh, experience to, to, to see that. But I will say so much of that happened here, especially in 2020 in particular, where people kind of just like went along with a lot more than I ever thought they would. Oh, absolutely. And I remember when COVID happened or when it first started becoming a, a serious issue on the news, we saw, I think, Italy was one of the first places yeah. mm-hmm. to really lock down things like curfew. And I actually remember thinking, can you imagine that they would <laughs> never do that here? Fast forward just a few yeah. months in Quebec, where I was living, did have a curfew. I remember at the time, my husband and I were just dating. Uh, we actually had to plan like the time we were hanging out together at, over lunch because we couldn't do anything around dinner because of the curfew. Mm. And it's like I never imagined in a million years that's something I would have to deal with. How was the COVID dating experience? Um, it was it was stressful because <laughs> yeah. you know we we weren't living together, uh, we were engaged, but there were all these different regulations over the holidays especially as to like who how many people you could invite into your house and like what your bubble could be and so you know we we did meet at certain points where at times we weren't supposed to because we were from different households and it's like we're actually having to kind of like you you park over there down the street so they can't see that you're and you know and kind of like try to sneak in and it's this again this was just absolutely insane especially like you know we're both two young people we like we're acting like criminals just because the government (laughs) is saying we can't see each other Uh, so bizarre well now you're here in America. Yes. You, you are married. You have a, a, a child, a son yeah. or a daughter? Daughter. Daughter. Congratulations. Thank you. How, how old now? She's nine months. Nine and months. It's, uh, I am already nostalgic for the newborn phase, which really? is like, it, it goes so quickly. And if she, she falls asleep and the first thing I do is I look at my phone, like all the photos I have. Of her. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's a crazy time. Now my kids are 10, are about to be 10 and 11, which is like, I, I can remember those days like they were yesterday. It's really true. It does go really fast. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. That's what everyone says, but it's true. Um, how do you feel about 
bringing up a kid in this world right now. Are you optimistic about it? How do you um, feel? You know, I, I think there's something to be said uh, for living through hard times. It it really does solidify your own views and it kind of holds your feet to the fire. It's like, okay, do you actually believe this? Are you actually going to live your values? Or are you just going to kind of, I, I guess, fall away to the ways of the world? And, you know, in some ways... Uh, I'm pessimistic in terms of how much I, I will have to be on guard with her, right? Because yeah. we see even in places like Texas, your your kid could potentially be taken away from you uh, if you refuse something like puberty blockers. Uh, we see that in, in public schools, they are just absolutely insane at this point. The things that they're trying to shove down kids' throats in regard to gender, just sexuality, crazy political ideas. Uh, it's, it's an advertisement for homeschooling, if you ask me, if nothing else, or like a very good, uh, you know, moral idea ideally Christian private school. But, uh, you know, I, I think I'm up for the task and I, I do have some friends who are unfortunately more cynical and they think like, uh, it's not worth it in this world. But I think mm. that this is exactly why good people need to have kids because, you know, we need to push back on this. And one of the best ways to do that is to bring up people who will, you know, for the next generation, be the fighters. Yes, yeah, it's, it's crucially important. And yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. And it's, it's such a, I feel like the issues that, we're going to be dealing with. We don't, I don't think we fully even understand them going forward, but like issues like, um, you know, for example, the story that came out, I think it was last week where a woman goes into the women's uh, changing room at a gym and a guy's in there naked. She complains about it and she's the bad person. And I think it was the YMCA, right? At at least in name, Mm -hmm. a Christian institution. Mm -hmm. So it really is disappointing to see how, you know, this idea, it's really, it's infest the idea that I guess there is no such thing as sex. Everything is relative. You are what you say. It's, it's infested almost every corner of society at this point. And I think for a lot of people, it almost feels as if it's happened overnight. But obviously, people like you and I who pay attention to the news, this this wasn't a shock. Yeah. It, I mean, it still is a yeah. bit of a shock, <laughs> a I have bit. to say. Because, I mean, I think there was, especially like the combination, sort of this weird intersection of all of this stuff happening at the same time where, you know, genders can go and cross and naked men inside the women's locker room at the basic same time is like the Me Too situation yeah. where we're talking about how just, a, you know, a, something that would make a woman uncomfortable is, is really, really, it should be taken really, really seriously. And of course it should. But how can you hold both of those viewpoints? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it doesn't make sense. And I think if you are a rational, sane person, you can't hold both of those viewpoints at the same time. But I think that that's a, a big tell for the people we're dealing with. They're not rational and they're not sane. And I think it's in the UK, maybe, that we also have a, a big epidemic or at least, you know, bigger than it should be because surrogate should be zero of you know male sex offenders being housed in female prisons which is a terrible idea and i don't think i have to explain the implications of that and Mm. you know you you think that feminism ideally should be about protecting women and women's rights but it's gone to the point where now not only can they not define what a woman is it seems like a lot of the attacks on women's liberty and women's well-being it it is coming from the progressive left from the people who at least in name claim to fight for women it's disappointing but i think it opens up the door in some ways for conservatives to be like, hey, ladies, uh, we won't make you accept the female penis. So there's that. <laughs> That's it's, it's on our business card. It's like yes, a big exactly. advertisement to join the movement. <laughs> um, uh, it's weird, too, like the, the cultural like intersection point here, for some reason, does seem to be gyms. This mm-hmm. is, first of all, a good 
excuse for me not to go to one. Um, <laughs> but like, it is weird. Like, I keep seeing uh, on social media women posting these videos where they've propped up the camera to film themselves, and then they keep filming themselves like with guys hitting on them on the gym and then exposing them on, on, on social media. We have this, you know, this trend where the clothes at gyms seem to be skimpier and skimpier and skimpier. What do you make of this? Well, it's kind of confusing because if, if people watching this aren't on TikTok, and I don't advise anybody to be on TikTok, <laughs> frankly, mm -hmm. um, at the same time that women are dressing, like you said, gym wear and lingerie, increasingly hard to distinguish. <laughs> you have a lot of women who are going to the gym and filming themselves for TikTok. They're like talking to the cameras, whatever, live streaming. And then simultaneously, some of these women will also get very upset when people stare at them or glance their way. These women who are dressed in what yeah. is basically lingerie, filming themselves and talking to themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like there's this sense of victimhood and exhibitionism melded together. It's very, very confusing. But the way I see it is that for some of these women, attention has become such a drug on social media that they not only can get attention, first of all, from the way that they're dressing, which is very attention seeking, but then they can claim attention a second time, uh, you know, when, when mm. someone maybe does I, you know, a lot of the times they're not even necessarily being hit on it. They're just like someone's looking at them because, I mean, admittedly, <laughs> this is a strange thing to do yes. uh, to wear this type of stuff to the gym and to film yourself. And, and you know, then they can also claim victimhood. Oh, I'm being harassed. So and, and you know, there are these communities of women that kind of feed off of each other. And it, it's it's very it, it's depressing, I think, to watch all this unfold, especially if you are a single man. I think many men out there kind of feel like, OK, well, where am I supposed to meet? a woman who's not crazy and sadly I don't have a very good answer for that. <laughs> uh, is it, and last one here before I let you go, um, is, the, is the praising of victimhood a big part of the problem generally? Because I feel like I, there was a point where it would almost be embarrassing to be a victim of something. I mean, people, you'd almost want to not tell people, you'd want to hide that. And that's not necessarily healthy either, depending on the case. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, what you do on social media is brag about it. You, you put that out in front. It's it's your big banner. It's your marquee sign. It's, hey, look, I was victimized in this way. You should like me more. You should care about me more because of it. That just seems like a backward ideology. No, you're right. And like it, it is kind of a fine line because I don't think we should be ashamed of if we've been victimized at some point in our lives. It's, you know, you are the victim specifically in that case, as in it's not your fault. It's not it shouldn't be a burden for you to bear, but also it shouldn't be a medal that you wear proudly. Right. It's not necessarily an accomplishment. And I feel like that's how we now sometimes treat that. It is an accomplishment to be a victim. It's something that you can be proud of. You can gain social media virtue points from it. You can even sometimes gain fame and notoriety from it. And there's also financial incentives too. So it is it is something that I'm seeing increasingly. And what's kind of ironic is that oftentimes, at least on social media, the people who seem to be the most obsessed with victimhood status are in some ways the most privileged, right? We are talking about like the upper middle class Ivy League school, uh, especially feminists who, who probably, you know, never had an actual hard day's work in their lives. They are the ones who love to be victims. So I think it also stems from just, you know, first world problems. This is what happens when people become too comfortable. They actually begin to make up problems and just seek attention relating to those problems. So it's not an easy issue <laughs> to solve, but I think the answer definitely has to be found outside of social media because I think largely social media is what's kind of encouraged this. Yeah, it makes everything worse. That's yes. it's just that's that's uh, it's just true. Every single thing you you apply social media to it, 
it will make it worse, I promise. Uh, Lauren Chen, you can catch her right here on Blaze TV. You can go to her social media, too. She's going to make it better, but uh, <laughs> not everybody else. Uh, Blaze TV, you're going to be starting soon? Is that, yeah. Do we, have, do we know what's going on? We don't have on? an exact date yet, okay. but uh, it's going to be on Blaze TV YouTube, so definitely subscribe there, and hopefully we'll see you all soon. We're so excited to have you back. Thank Lauren you. Chen, thanks for coming on the program. Google's a pretty successful company, right? Doing pretty well. Their parent company, Alphabet, one of the most annoying names in the world. But Google, uh, pretty successful. Why would you sell a bunch of Google stock right now, right? They're, yeah, they're basically taking over the world. Well, Nancy Pelosi decided to sell Google stock. She sold 30,000 shares uh, in December, which just happened to coincide with a few weeks before the DOJ launched uh, their antitrust investigation of Google. Amazing. She's always doing this. She's just perfect. Her timing's just perfect in everything except, you know, maybe some hammer attacks at her home. By the way, I should remind you, uh, Nancy Pelosi, not Speaker of the House anymore, but she does still suck uh, completely. And uh, that's why we have at studosmerch.com. Nancy Pelosi sucks. Still no more pens. I'm sorry. But we do have the mugs, which are awesome. I think you'll like those quite a bit. The shirt is great as well. Uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks. Merch is still here. Studosmerch.com is the place to go to get it. Use the code STU10 to save yourself 10%. Joe Biden made a big speech on the economy today, and it was you know, typical of what you'd expect, where he was blaming Republicans somehow who have had of very small slice of power for a few weeks. Somehow they're responsible for all of our economic problems. That's a fascinating theory. Um, but the thing I took from it most was he has very difficult time modulating his voice. Like he just goes from really quiet to really loud jarringly. And I don't know why that is. I think they just write like cues in the script, like be excited here, be loud here, you be passionate here, you walking corpse. That's kind of, I think, what they're doing here. But he said, we're moving in the right direction. And now we've got to protect those gains that our policy have generated. Protect them from the MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives who are threatening to destroy the progress. So just, just remember that. Why in God's name would Americans give up the progress we've made for the chaos that they're suggesting they seem to be determined? To be the party of chaos and catastrophe. So that's your word from Joe Biden today. And another uh, window into Biden's America. Crime is so bad in Philly that they're stealing the cars of Philadelphia Eagles players. <laughs> yes. Good job, everybody. Uh, C.J. Uh, Gardner-Johnson, who's done a great job at both safety and nickel cornerback this year. Uh, he had his car stolen. He says, I know exactly who took my car. I know exactly who stole my stuff. Bro, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. We got you all on camera. And then he says, wow, wow, that's how y'all getting down in Philly? You steal stuff even after a win? First of all, yes, that's exactly, I'm an Eagles fan. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to absolutely steal stuff. Um, I will say, if you're going to steal a car, of course you want to target an Eagles player. They've got nice cars. So I mean, what are you going to steal, a, you know, a broken down 1984 Hyundai? You got to go after the player's car. That makes a lot of sense. I will say, to my Eagles brethren out there, 
Can we wait till hopefully after they win the Super Bowl? Then you can steal all their crap. I don't care. Just make them happy for the next three or four weeks. That's all we need. Two more wins. Just do more. Back in a second. You know, we really need places for conservatives to be able to speak their mind and tell you the truth. And that's why we have Blaze TV. We ask you to join us here, blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Join the party. It's a lot of fun. Got a lot of great stuff coming up this year. Great new shows. We talked about Lauren Chen. That's on the way. Lots of great stuff. Blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is stew.